0: Space Radio, the show where B2B marketing and sales leaders share their knowledge to help you drive more revenue. With your host,
1: Steve Gershick. Hey, Steve. Well, Thanks, Paul. This is Steve Gershick coming to you once again on Lead Space Radio. Thanks for joining us here today, and we're happy to be seeing your comments on our past shows, which you can find by going on iTunes and searching for Lead Space Radio or visiting us at radio.leadspace.com. We're brought to you each week by Leadspace, the company that uses social lead targeting to create a continuous flow of qualified leads for you and your sales team. Using Leadspace's automated and socially powered demand generation products, you can effectively tap into a real-time database of ideal customers for you. Save time and money and learn how to predict and engage with the right buyers at the right time with the right message with Leadspace. Find out more at www.leadspace.com. Now, my guest today is Dave Brock of Partners in Excellence. Dave's been a practitioner, a coach, and a mentor in sales and marketing for over two decades now, and I'm excited to speak to him because unlike most of the guests we've had on Lead Space Radio, Dave and I have never met. So Dave, Welcome. Thank you, Steve. I'm flattered to be uh, part of this uh, this show, so thanks for inviting me. Now, in preparation for this interview, I noticed that you had a number of uh, testimonials on your LinkedIn profile, and I was particularly interested in this one endorsement that was written by Brian McIver. And his endorsement, Brian wrote, uh, Dave does not follow fashions or fads. He is his own man selling his own way. And encouraging others to do so, Dave has worked for and with some of the top sales companies in the world, where his pragmatic approach and his individual style have made him successful. That was a ringing endorsement. How would you describe your approach and your style in selling?
0: I think what we, we try and do is we try and eliminate kind of all the mystery and, and, and garbage that surrounds us and get us really to... To really think about what it is that we're trying to achieve, you know, and and as simple as that sounded, clients sometimes are really struggling to do things like simply saying, who is our customer, Um, what value do we create to them, how do we reach them and engage them most effectively and most efficiently with things that are relevant to them. So, you know, what we're really trying to do is say there are no tricks, gimmicks, or tech Techniques, it, you know, we have to be thoughtful and purposeful in what we're doing. And so typically our engagements are helping customers discover that and discover, you know, kind of how to connect with and engage their customers in really meaningful, relevant
1: ways. What's your personal secret? As, as I went through all of the testimonials talking about you, it's clear you have a unique approach what do you think is unique about your approach? I mean, frankly, cutting through all the, the BS and recognizing
0: that that we're talking to people who have rich experience and in, in rich points of view. We ourselves, as a consulting company and as consultants, have rich and different experience and, and different points of views. And we really try and say, you know, none of us, the people that we work with are the smartest people in the world dealing with some of the most difficult challenges in the world. So it's not trivial, easy stuff that our clients are calling us on. So, you know, what we're trying to do is say, how do we get the best and brightest minds thinking together? gather, you know, leveraging different experiences from different spaces, different markets, and, and different backgrounds to really come up with some new and novel approaches um, that we may haven't an- maybe haven't done before. I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday, and the problem that so many of us as sales and marketing professionals have is that we become prisoners of our own experience. So as we look at, at, you know, trying to, one, recognize that we have a problem, recognize what changes might be or what changes might be happening in our marketplace that may need to to drive ourselves to change is we have such a limited experience base that, you know, innovation and and change becomes very, very difficult. So part of what we're trying to do is help people, one, recognize that that we do become prisoners of our own experience, but to escape those prisons and, and come up with some new and novel
1: ideas. That's a really interesting idea. You know, the more experience you have, the more stuck in your ways you become. How do you avoid that, right? It seems like it's a psychological habit that we develop that we know we become comfortable with. And how do you develop this habit of of breaking out of your comfort zone? I think it's not too difficult. I think part of it is, you know,
0: all of us as business professionals get caught up in our kind of day-to-day, the sheer inertia of what we have to get accomplished today task of getting through today, doing our job tomorrow, doing our job, and so on and so forth, sometimes robs us of the time that we need to have to kind of reflect and say, what are we really trying to achieve as individuals, or what are we trying to achieve as an organization, and are we doing those things as effectively and as efficiently as we, we possibly could? So, you know, first thing we need to do is is we need to, you know, everybody and individual or organizations need to carve out time to to think and reflect and not in an aimless way but in a purposeful way to say, you know, what are we trying to achieve and how do we best achieve that? Two is is we have to start wandering around a little bit. One is getting out of our own companies and visiting customers. It's you'd be surprised at The number of marketing professionals, the number of even sales, not frontline sales professionals, but people in the sales organization that you say, when's the last time that you actually visited and talked to a customer? When's the last time that you looked at what they were trying to do and really tried to understand that? You know, through technology and all sorts of things, we've actually become very, very distant from our customers and very distant from understanding what drives them and how we really can help. The second step is we tend to look very, very closely kind of within our markets. You know, so we evaluate our competition, we look at, at the markets that we serve, and we don't tend to pick our heads up and look kind of around at kind of the distant horizon. You know, so, for instance, one segment that we spend a lot of time in is with companies uh, that sell software, either software as a service or enterprise-type licensed software and so on and so forth. And, you know, that community is huge, but it's become really embraced. Oracle knows what SAP is doing. SAP knows what Microsoft is doing. We all know what each other is doing. We've all moved probably from one company to the other company to the other company, so we have lots of friends and colleagues and so on and so forth. But, you know, we kind of get inbred and very kind of closed minded. So, you know, if we're looking at best practice and innovation, uh, we get stale because, you know, we're looking at people that are doing the same things as we are. And and so we, we, you know, if you look at how do you do some things that are dramatically different, you aren't going to get ideas from just looking where you've always looked before. You have to look outside it. So, you know, part of it is looking at your customer's customer, saying what's driving them. Part of it's looking at dramatically different industries. I have this... Experience that I had a, a number of years ago, uh, I was running an innovation session with two of our clients. One is probably the largest uh, semiconductor manufacturing company in the world. You know, so sitting along one side of the conference table were a bunch of people that all looked the same. Pressed khakis, powder blue shirts, a lot of PhDs, very, very smart people. The other part of the the innovation session was kind of mine that comes from the fashion industry, and more specifically the motorcycle fashion industry. So what that side of the table looked like was a bunch of guys in, in ragged leathers, Most of them had no arms on their jackets. Uh, All of them had the most interesting tattoos and piercings that you'd ever seen. You mean Um, mean no sleeves, right? They all had arms. No sleeves. No sleeves. Correct. Correct. Yes. (laughs) No sleeves on their jackets. But, you know, interesting tattoos, interesting piercings. And they would look at each other across the table, you know, and you could see it in their eyes. And then they'd look at me and it was, Dave, what the hell did you get us into? But what was really interesting when we got the session kicked off, you know, a lot of innovation ends up being, I'll call it creative plagiarism, is that these guys from the semiconductor company started learning some of the things that the fashion company did as old hat. It was boring, passe, mundane practice, but there were things that they did that were very, very good. And the semiconductor guys looked at this and said, This is brilliant. It's new and novel. It's something that we've never experienced before. And the the motorcycle guys were experiencing the same thing. You know, what can I learn from a semiconductor guy? You know, and all of a sudden, they saw some things about their approach to the markets. And these were also very different, B2C and B2B types of companies. So what they found was... Each one of them were doing some things that were new and innovative to the others. So I use that as kind of an extreme example. Each one of these guys walked away with just brilliant ideas. And sometimes I think we look too close to home. We look within our own company, within our own industry, and so on, and we become stale. So if we're going to innovate and going to learn new trends, we have to start looking outside of our industry. So using tools like LinkedIn, using other kinds of social networking things that give us a broader visibility to things happening in the world,
1: keep us fresh and keep us moving forward with new ideas. Well, you reminded me, I had a mentor years ago who told me, said, if you want to get some new ideas, uh, go out and subscribe to three magazines that you would never subscribe to. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, if you look at my reading
0: list, I have a really diverse reading list, both in terms of, of blogs that I look at in terms of magazines I've subscribed to, and in in terms of books. I just read a brilliant book. It was called Improv Wisdom, uh, Show Up, Don't Prepare, by a lady by the name of Patricia Madsen. And ostensibly, it's a, a book written for actors people in, in creative fields and so on to me it was the best book on leadership
1: I've read in the last three years I've also read some books on improvisation and find some lessons in there that are absolutely applicable to my marketing some of the rules of improv always going with the yes and supporting your partner and being flexible and listening what are some other lessons that you learned from reading that book that you can apply to business? Well, I think the most... I, I, I think a, a couple of them... You know, the ones that you
0: mentioned, the ones about, you know, this collaboration and, and you know, knowing that your partner has your back and you have your partner's back and really working together to, to move forward together, I think is critical. But I think one of the most important things to be successful in improv and to be successful in business, you have to be present. Too much of the time, I don't think that we're present. I mean, I think we're so time pressed into any conference room in any meeting right now, and everybody has their smartphones out either on the table or under the table, you know, doing messaging. They're barely paying attention to the topic. There may be several different conversations going on, and there's no wonder why we don't achieve much in our own internal meetings or in terms of our meetings with customers is that we aren't present, we aren't there, we're spending too much time multitasking. So, you know, one of the things that I learned from the critical about um, is you have to be present, you have to be in the moment, and you have to have no distraction there. So, if I, I look at you know one key lesson that marketing and business professionals could take away that would dramatically improve impact and effectiveness
1: is just being present in the moment. Speaking of being present, uh, right now I have to take a commercial break. This is Steve Kerschke. Speaking with David Brock, and when we come back, I'm going to what sales and marketing can learn from engineering and physics.
2: When it comes to pioneers in their respective industries, we all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting...
1: You're listening to Lead Space Radio. My name is Steve Gershik. I'm speaking with Dave Brock. Dave, you've got an interesting background, your undergraduate degrees in engineering and physics. What is it about your scientific background that shaped how you are as a business professional? Well, that's really a fascinating question, Steve. And I do think
0: it it has shaped the way I approach things. And as I look at people with similar kinds of backgrounds, I see similar kinds of tendencies. I think it shapes the, you know, the discipline that, that engineering and, and science brings, you know, the fact that we have a scientific method, the fact that, you know, we have a problem-solving, a, problem a process-based kind of orientation, the way we look at the world and the way we look at things going on around us. I think the view that, you know, if you're going to be successful in science and in engineering, you realize that the world exists Says is kind of interconnected systems that all mesh together and the moment you know you destroy one kind of system or one kind of process, it ripples through and has impacts on other systems and other processes and so on. So you tend to say, you know, how does a machine work as a whole and how do each one of the component parts fit and do their job? So I think that kind of discipline, process-oriented problem-solving in systems-oriented approach causes us to look at business, sales, and marketing in very, very different ways than, than people without that kind of background. Uh, I think it gives us, um, you know, frankly, uh, a huge amount of advantage because, you know, that analysis, that, that understanding of what it is that we're trying to achieve, how do we do it? in a disciplined way that, that allows us to reach those goals effectively efficiently, and efficiently in a way that's repeatable, that we can consistently drive the same kind of results, the same kinds of performance. You know, when we start in, in, encountering obstacles to this, how do we in a disciplined way start analyzing, you know, what to do, how do we start prioritizing? So I think a lot of those skills bring uh, things that I've been able to leverage through my career as a sales, marketing, and
1: business executive in very, very powerful ways. A common theme in your writing, online, and in your presentations is this idea about simplification. What's the importance of simplification in selling? Simplification
0: in, in anything is really getting down to really the essence of what you're trying to achieve and kind of trying to to strip away all the stuff that is unnecessary that goes on to it. And I think what happens is we drive complexity maybe through lack of attention. I get into many organizations where they layer program upon program upon program. We have years of history and heritage of the way we've done things and we try and drive improvement on top of that and and incremental types of things doing that. And pretty soon we're weighted down by all this baggage that really is slowing us down in terms of our ability to achieve our goals, or in fact, you know, makes it very, very difficult to achieve our goals. So, you know, every once in a while, you have to kind of sit back and say, what is it that we're trying to achieve? And if I had a blank sheet of paper, how would I design the best way of achieving that right now? So we constantly look at, at you know how do we strip away all the unnecessary stuff that is standing in the way of our, our being our ability to be effective and impactful. How do we get to something that is is as simple as possible? Remembering
1: that simple doesn't mean easy. Simple is very difficult to do. All, all you have to do is look at uh, Apple and their products. And you see that simplicity has a most complex origin, right? Well, and actually, you know, the, the counter to that is complex is so easy to do. I think it was Mark Twain who wrote a letter of apology at the beginning. He said, "I'm sorry, I wrote such a long letter. I didn't have time enough to write a short one." Exactly. So, you know, and again,
0: I think it's it's kind of human nature is is that we tend to try and make things a little bit more complex. Then they need to, and particularly many of us are involved in kind of technology-related businesses, and there's some sort of maybe macho-ness around, you know, how complex those things are. But I think they can serve to distract us. So we really always look at, you know, and if we're really looking at driving effectiveness and efficiency, we
1: have to really address for, you know, simplification. One of the other ideas I noticed as a theme in your writing is you talk about the need to put the customer at the center of everything, we do what do you say to the salesperson with the with this idea of closing deals what happens when your need to close net new business clashes with what might be in the best long-term interest of the customer that should never happen the need to get the order in
0: whether it's the right in whether it's the right thing for the customer should never happen if you start having that conflict, what's happened is you've probably chased after the wrong customer and the wrong deal. Too much of the time we waste too much we waste too much effort chasing the wrong deals chasing the wrong customers where we don't have a great solution, where we aren't the great problem solvers for them. So, you know, what we really need to do is we need to focus on what's our sweet spot, what are the problems that we're the best in the world at solving, and who are the people that have those problems, you know, and then focus viciously on those people. You know, so then if we're focusing on those people, we're likely not ever to get into the conflict of am I doing the right thing for the customer? Customer, and
1: am I going to make my numbers? Those things will actually coincide very sweetly. You know, the time's flown by here. We're almost done with the interview. But, but I'm dying to ask you, since we were talking about one of the other books that you've read that isn't specifically targeted towards sales and marketing in, in particular, you mentioned the improv book. What are some other books that you would suggest or recommend that people might use to get some lessons for their own sales and marketing practices within kind of traditional sales
0: literature and, and so on. in the last couple of years have been several brilliant books that cause people to i don't know that i buy the books completely but they cause you to sit back and think about what you're doing one the challenger sale matt dixon and brent adamson of the ceb is is fascinating again don't you know don't drink all the Kool-Aid, but, but it's fascinating and you have to think about it. You know, Likewise, the um, uh, insight selling, which just came out from Rain Group, John Durr and um, Mike Schultz, takes a little bit of a different view from challenging, but both of those are, are really interesting in terms of how customers are changing. So that should be top of the list. Those should be on top of the list of any sales and marketing professional. Joe Conrad's agile sell- selling is a another one that I think is looking at basic principles. Uh, you know, I go back to some of the grandmasters of, of sales and, and marketing, Peter Drucker, um, anything by Neil Rackham, and anything by Matt Cannon you know then outside of that i look at you know a lot in terms of uh you know things like improv um you know and creativity there's some things i'm reading a book right now by twyla tharp and again you know i, I know nothing about dancing and have literally two left feet is is but you know when you start looking at some of the things that she talks about, about rituals and about routines, which end up being process and things that we do as, as sales and marketing people. There's some great things there. So I would balance your reading with probably about 50% within the profession and 50% outside the profession.
1: Great. Well, I'll throw in a plug for a book that I just finished. It's called Creativity, Inc. By oh, that's Ed. an awesome book. Ed Catmull did a great job documenting his lessons learned well while founding Pixar, which we all see as a successful movie studio. But it wasn't always that way, was it? No, and I just completed that, and it's it's really, there's some fascinating lessons, and it's fascinating to look at how Pixar grew up. And some of the inside story of how he interacted with Steve Jobs, a little glimpse into the personality of that iconic class. Well, uh, David, time just flown by. Thank you so much for joining me here today, and I really enjoyed meeting you. If people want to learn more from you, where can they find you online? Uh, they can find me at uh, my blog site, PartnersInExcellenceBlog.com,
0: on Twitter, at David A Brock. Uh, or by emailing me, D-A-B-R-O-C-K at excellen It looks like the word excellence, but without that last
1: E. Thanks again for joining us, and thanks to all of you for joining us here again for another episode of Lead Space Radio. If you've got any feedback or questions, about this show or any other show that you've heard or suggestions for future guests, you can DM me on Twitter. I'm at sgersh, at S-G-E-R-S-H, or you can send a direct message to leadspace, or you can email me at steve at leadspace.com. Join us next week for another exciting episode of Lead Space Radio. Thanks again for your kind attention. We'll speak to you next time.
2: You've been listening to Lead Space Radio, the show where B2B marketing and sales leaders share their knowledge to help you drive more revenue. With your host, Steve Gershick.
0: This show has been produced in part by Lead Space's Erica Goldwater and Jim Opermayer on behalf of the SLMA Live radio channel.